Be Real is brought to you by the MFA in Writing program at California College of the Arts in San Francisco. Their two-year program has launched Molly Prentice, Adam Nemet, and Julie Lithcott-Hames. Come write with them. Learn more about CCA's den of poets, raconteurs, playwrights, and novelists at cca.edu slash writingmfa. You can talk about film with a philosopher's zeal. Or measure them all by box office appeal But for once in your life Be real! Welcome one and all to your movie reviewing and reappraising podcast Live from Lincoln, Nebraska That is to say taped (laughs) My name is Chance Solon Pfeiffer And I'm Noah Ballard It is so wonderful to lay eyes upon you It's great to like stare at you and not your Skype image yeah i have three dimensions and you've been acting this whole time like i have two and we literally have not stopped talking about a star is born since we saw it <laughs> six hours ago so that's been nice yeah well usually to- i just like send you seven text messages in a row and you're like ha <laughs> <laughs> um but that's much more emphatic when it plays out over dinner and then plays out over a live podcast so we are here to talk about a star is born the the movie event of October. Those of you who think that's Venom, maybe it's time to let the old ways die. <laughs> um, yeah, are you excited to talk about this? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty amped to see this movie. Um, and we had a good crew at the theater with us today. It was probably a sold-out showing. Yeah, definitely. And I had a bunch of my professional friends. So I'm in, in Nebraska. We can get more into this on the... The YA pod. Yeah. But I'm in Nebraska for professional reasons, and Chance decided to come down. For highly unprofessional reasons. For highly unprofessional reasons. But we saw it with, like, an interesting group of people ranging from 19 to 83. Mm Mm-hmm. So it was was a good time. But devastating afterwards. (laughs) Are we going to go no spoilers for, like, 15 minutes and then maybe spoilers in the end? That sounds fair, but like, don't listen to this podcast before you've seen this movie. We always have this discussion. I think you can listen to the first 10 minutes. We'll kick you out at a certain point if you want to. Okay, that's fine. All right. So A Star is Born is, uh, you know, uh, a Hollywood retread, to put it cynically. This is a movie that came out in 1937 with Janet Gaynor and Frederick March, 1954 with James Mason and Judy Garland, and 1976 with Chris, Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand. Barbara. And now 2018 with Bradley Cooper and... and Lady Gaga. Stephanie Germanato. <laughs> Lady, she goes by Lady Gaga on the Lady credits. Lady Gaga is billed in the credits, yeah. Um, it is Bradley Cooper's debut directorial effort. Uh, the movie is updated in some ways, but still exists in like a musical America of the past and some others. Look at all the YouTube hits, Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is a story uh, in all four iterations, more or less, about a, uh, a famous man teetering on the brink of destruction by drink who discovers a young woman who, you know, collaborates with him, in some ways redeems him, and then surpasses him. She is the star who is born. Tell me something, boy. Aren't you tired trying to fill that void? Or do you need more? 
Yeah, it's there's definitely a certain like once this movie gets going, like there's a lot of career stuff that needs to happen over the course of these. Well, it's a pretty long movie. It's plus it's two hours plus. It's like two fifteen, yeah. Doesn't really feel like it because there's just so much in it. Yeah, a lot happens. Bradley Cooper plays. I think other people have said this, but I think it's kind of undeniable. He's really like if the frontman of Kings of Leon were. Like, super famous. No, he's like a younger Toby Keith or something. He's like a That's big That's the truth. Country. They would never play any of those songs on pop country radio. It is like Americana, like rock Americana. An American country folk star. But he's ubiquitous. Like, they know him yeah. at the... Like the drag club, like right? This, he trans. He's a four. He might be more celebrity. famous than Toby Keith. It would be like if Blake Shelton walked into a random bar. I think maybe? Blake Shelton's a better. Yeah, because he's like, I know who that is, and I don't listen to. Cooper. Yeah, even if the sound is not quite right, but he's a big deal, and he can really play the guitar, which you understand in the first scene. Yeah. And uh, but he's a drunk, and that is apparent all, from the a, very lots of pills too. beginning. Yeah, and some needles, and it's juxtaposed him uh you know playing his average show and then getting sadly into the car with uh lady gaga playing Allie. she's a working a dead-end job breaks up with her boyfriend but she's going that night oh, i forgot about the, the yeah. lawyer that she breaks up with never comes back around um she's going out that night because she sings at a, a drag club she's the only woman they allow to perform at that's the drag right club because she's so talented she's so good and jackson maine because he doesn't have any tequila left in the back seat of his Escalade. It's just like, find me a bar, brother. <laughs> and he <laughs> ends up in her club and she sings La Vie en Rose. And just like the Star is Born formula, they fall in love. They begin to collaborate on a song. They have a wonderful first night. Um, and then then they're kind of off and running. So let's, let's talk about some things as we kind of keep describing the plot of this movie. Right. So I think it should be noted up front for points we can make later, but she is introduced to this movie as a performer and a very good, talented performer and like a great reason to cast Lady Gaga in this role. But it's very clear from the outset that she wants to perform on the like pop level, the way a Lady Gaga would be perceived, I would say. And then Jackson sort of develops this thought about her that she is a songwriter that it is her voice on the page really that is the biggest thing about her and he then when he invites her into the fold it seems because he's struggling to like write that you don't really have that line in there but he's like looking for his new sound the way an artist of his caliber at a certain age is but yeah then the movie sort of proceeds as the scenes of their marriage, their life and their marriage and her rise to fame over how long do you think this is 18 months, two years? This was a point of discussion, but I would say a little over a year was my read. Okay. Cause yeah. like we see a whole like Grammy awards season, right. her put out an album and then he's in rehab. I don't think that's a spoiler for two or three months that, yeah, that something bad is going to happen from him drinking a bottle of tequila every night. Right. Um, it's gin. His drink is gin on the rocks, which is disgusting. Oh yeah. All right. That it's is like even worse. 
Give me that bottle of gin and a whole thing of ice. So let's talk about these characters and these performances. We've already done a Bradley Cooper voice a couple times, which is really a Sam Elliott voice. Right. Uh, which the movie's aware of. Which Yeah, which the movie knows. So yeah, we haven't seen a lot from Bradley Cooper in recent years since American Sniper and all that. He's been in the Guardians of the Galaxy doing the voice of the raccoon. Um, but this is like really him coming back and being like, I am one of the like movie stars of our time. I mean, it's definitely closer to, because he really has like those two kind of roles, the smarmy bully and like the strong, silent, like American blue collar person. Right. And so he's either going American sniper or he's going like sack lodge, Jimmy D'Amato. <laughs> right. I think there's an interesting symmetry to this movie that begins visually with just the way it's set up before the title card, which is you witness him out in the middle of everyone, his element, rocking the house, soloing for a few minutes, and then his part ends when he's shut into the back of an Escalade because he can't communicate with screaming fans and just starts drinking. So he goes from wide to closed. Right. And then we see Gaga shut in a bathroom stall, you know, trying to move her life forward by breaking up with this person. And then right before the title card, it ends with her walking up a, a, an alleyway tunnel out into the world. Sure. And it's just clear that these, from the beginning visually that these people's journeys are going to be juxtaposed from like expansion to contraction. Um, and that kind of what the same thing happens with their characters in the sense of as it goes, he is just like an inflection point, a wall to bounce things off of for her as she grows bigger than him. And then in the end, as he begins to crumble, she becomes the opposite for him as we go deeper into like his dark heart. And he's pretty good at the whole thing, but you have that extra read because he's the director of the affection that he has for her and just the space he gives Lady Gaga with the camera that eventually he kind of takes away from himself. Well, I think there's it's an interesting problem that Bradley Cooper has as the star of this movie and also the director of this movie. Like, how do I shoot me when I'm the protagonist of the first half of this movie and the antagonist of the second half of this movie? Right, right. And I think he balances it pretty well. And I think what you're talking about is just like the physical shots. Yeah. We were sort of talking about this earlier, the idea that this movie has no wide shots in it. For one that clearly made use of massive live audiences, because they shot a lot of it at Coachella, and they don't really take advantage of it. They show the crowds realistic as they look, but like in passing. And really it's just setups to close-ups of either of the two leads yeah not not only just close-ups but i was thinking this time too the the cameras are kind of like locked onto center mass shall we say like you you understand that these people are moving wildly and frantically when they perform but we are so locked in on like you know sternum chin and eyes that we just get like the we understand the force of the performance in fact you know we're there so much when lady gaga is doing la vie and rose at the beginning and then we zoom out at the very end of that performance and you see her kind of like you know shape herself back over a chair and it all of a sudden looks kind of like cheap and goofy and you realize that's the way it's looked the whole time unless we are holding the camera with the heart of the performer which is the style it chooses interesting so you think it's like intentionally like on the heart I think that's what he's going for. And as we said, may just know he doesn't have the chops to make a beautiful establishing shot of Red Rocks or whatever. Yeah. What do you think of the music? Because like this movie's, for better or worse, a musical. They have like, there's full songs in it. It's not just quick 
clips the way you have like a that thing you do or any other like rise and fall of a band kind of movie. I think th- I so I think a couple things. I think that the music in general is kind of, and we'll talk about more like industry stuff in a second. It's kind of funny because it I think it presupposes that um like I said Kings of Leon and Vanessa Carlton are like the like the most the biggest music musicians in America, which of course is not true. Like sort of just like chord heavy ballads of people, white people singing about their truth and their love, which these are nice songs, but like, it's kind of funny that this movie puts forward that like, that's the essence of American pop music today. But as storytelling, as character building devices, I think it's told incredibly well. There's a, a, a moment I keep coming back to is, um, the first time he brings Gaga out on stage to sing The Shallows, when she octaves up for the first time, it looks almost involuntary. It's like, I didn't even want to do this, but like the best part of my voice is coming out now. And that's right. where I think is beautiful. What do you think of the music? I think you have a point here, and I think it's a, a, an interesting challenge because clearly this, like the appeal of this movie financially is the fact that you can sell a lot of its soundtrack. For sure. So like all the music has to be like good and catchy, even in situations where the music intentionally is not supposed to be that good. Uh huh. Like the whole movie is the tension between like one's truth and one's like Americana folk, you know, Bon Iver or like whatever. Vanessa Carlton's a good example. Like whether or not <laughs> I think she Bon Iver is much more artistic than any of the music sure. in this movie. But like you know, whatever Jackson Maine's supposed to be, like he's just out there like living. Living his living hardcore, as one of the songs says, but then the tension between that and like a pop song that's like, "What's that ass doing in those damn jeans or whatever?" <laughs> Which is what Allie eventually performs on SNL. Yeah, right. Because it's aware of that, it like can't really say either one of them are cheap. Right. Even though ultimately Jackson thinks that the pop music, this bubblegum pop that, uh, well, this sort of slutty bubblegum pop that Lady Gaga ends up doing is. Not good. Yeah, I think it's stuck too because it it has to make dead ass and dumb jeans worse than Lady Gaga songs, and it is. It's much worse. But it's also like it's a fine, it's a decent song. Sure, it's yeah. It's not in ba- It's not like comedically bad. Right. It's not like in. Uh, Rock of Ages, where like he is like in that goofy boy band. <laughs> You're right, but it's it's trying to it basically it's trying to avoid the question of like is Bad Romance a good song? Um, sure, I think Bad Romance is great. Yeah, but you know it, it needs. Are you, to... So you're a fan of Lady Gaga, like as a musician outside of this film? Yeah, yeah, I like her stuff. Sure. Um, I I don't think I have a feeling either way. Okay. I mean, she seems she's clearly like very talented. I just don't listen to her music. I think she's like way better than like Katy Perry. Oh, I mean, apples and oranges. I would okay. say. Though uh, I've never watched a documentary about the rise and fall of Lady Gaga's marriage, but I've seen the I've seen the fiction. I think there is one, isn't there? Isn't it called like Five Foot Two? It's a Netflix movie. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Now on the next podcast, uh, three more documentaries about pop stars. <laughs> Um, including Beyonce's life is but a dream. Sorry, Sarah. That was a great callback, but yeah, we're going to hear the shallows is going to be on the radio if it's not already. And we'll probably win the Oscar for best song.
Yeah, I think Gaga is great. And I think she's great in ways that go beyond the way that part is written too. Um, there's a, a scene late in the movie at a very serious moment where she does an impression of their shared dog, Charlie, which is just such a funny, like, unself-conscious... Well, like, she's teased for a long time taking the taking the makeup off, right? She did the album with Tony Bennett. You've seen her play the piano. With right, and there's off. now literally a scene where he, Bradley Cooper pulls off her makeup. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's and then te- he puts it on later. It's purely textual. Um, Can I pull off one of your eyebrows? It's bothering me. But there are six, eight, ten moments in, like in this movie where she is Marissa Tomei yes. level, like natural and earthy, and is um, just for being a person who whose career is founded on self awareness and like extravagant performing. She's very unself conscious as a performer, and it's it's wonderful. Well, that's the thing too. She doesn't have. She's not fragile. And I think a lot of these kinds of movies paint the like female artist as a very fragile right. thing. And she's not fragile at all. She's just someone who has the talent to get what she wants. She's just hit this weird roadblock and like doesn't know how to get around it. Right. And the thing is she doesn't have a friend in a high place. Yeah. And suddenly she has one. But even when she spars with this much more successful, much more famous person. She's not weak about it. There's a, you know, the scene where they fight and she's in the bath and she goes, what do you, she does his voice. She does the same. She's like, what do you want from me, Jack? You want me to be your drinking buddy? And it's like, that is not something that I think Barbara Streisand does right. in the 76 version. But it gives her agency. Oh, like, so even if it's cruel, like and it forces uh, Jack to throw back like, well, you're fucking ugly. Which like, is incredibly hurtful given the way they built the relationship. I mean, it's right. hurtful anyway, but still. But it's but she's not devastated by that. She like knows she isn't. You know, I don't think that was ever. I think Jack thought that was her like one weakness is that she didn't think she was pretty. But I don't think she like is that concerned with her physical appearance. Yeah, they both went for the jugular on that one. She yeah. talked about his dad, and he said, "Of You're course." Ugly. But I think the dad is a much bigger scar for Jackson Maine than it is for Al. Like yeah. the Allie's like being self-conscious that she's not pretty enough. People have told her she's not pretty enough, but I don't know that she believes that, which mm-hmm. is refreshing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to um, talk about the crappy music stuff? Oh yeah, the, there's some very goofy and music the weird stuff. sort of yeah the the music industry lack of verisimilitude, shall we say? Yeah, if you know anything about the music industry, there's some funny shit in here. That goes beyond just the, like, pretending that this is the most popular music of 2018. Right. Uh, so what's on your mind? The Grammys thing? Well, I think some of the good things about this movie's, like, sort of play on the band movie trope thing is that the conniving manager slash producer isn't, like, an ugly, fat Paul Giamatti guy. Yeah, it's he's like basically a low-rent Orlando Bloom. Yeah, he's, like, a very good-looking guy with a British accent who's, yeah. like just keep saying you have to trust me he has a vision and fuck it he does yeah you know but that's where it gets ridiculous is that his vision is they like cut an album in a month and then the next month she gets nominated for a grammy right an album with vanessa carlton and billy eilish songs right next to each other right (laughs) come on um it's very it's that's very strange and the fact that like it's almost a foregone conclusion that she's going to win a grammy 
Because if she doesn't win a Grammy, like then she, it's there's not the stakes aren't high enough. Well, that's the thing. They have to appeal to the record industry as like an institution without like you know making a movie about how it's how it's a crumbling institution. So there's a whole thing where she's just like, and he says I have a deal potentially with Interscope Records, and it's like, is that what people like when we find the new like it people today? Are they excited about deals with Interscope Records? Is that even or do still they in have business? Three million Instagram followers. Well, that's the thing. the The movie has no pop sensibility to it, right? And and it has no real awareness of social media. But it's not a movie about fame. Ultimately, it's a movie. About, it's a movie about people uh, like and the the lengths they'll go to get what they want. Okay. It's not a movie about how horrible it is to be famous. That's almost just like a side effect of this other thing. And it's like to be this level of a star, you either have to buy into this system and fit your square peg of talent in the round hole of the industry, or you have to just like make no compromises whatsoever, which is like a tale as old as time. I mean, and regardless of whether the the music leans kind of outmoded, it's Lady Gaga, and right. you know that she herself is so not outmoded, and probably will continue to be kind of cutting edge for a while. But it's interesting why they didn't get her to like write the pop songs, because that gives it more sort of account or sort of respectability. Saying like, just because Jackson Maine doesn't like this Lady Gaga song doesn't make it bad. Who wrote that Heal Me song? That one's really good. That's kind of in the middle. Why is Dave Chappelle in this movie? Why is Eddie Griffin in this movie? Yeah, those those are curious to me. That seems like maybe this is cynical of me, but like a really shameless diversity play. Because you don't, you have no idea who that character is. You have no idea who the character that IMDb calls Noodles, and you're just trying to ground it. Is in doing here roots music, and then they like go to a black church to get married, and Eddie Griffin is the pastor but like in this universe you just like find a pastor somewhere to marry you don't need to like get a marriage license no i agree that the Chappelle part is weird because you never know who that but guy Andy dice is. clay is pretty compelling i would say yeah he manages to be sort of the like father who says shitty things but you know that like this is just sort of his broken record you know like when your dad is 70 years old and he's been saying the same thing for 20 years for 20 years and it's like that still hurts me but you don't even know you're saying it right that's what Andrew Dice Clay is doing in this movie that's so true and then yeah his like goofy gang of limo driver pals including uh Barry Shabaka Henley a favorite of ours from Collateral (laughs) who has maybe one line who's like what is YouTube my favorite cameo in this movie is um the negotiators Frost as the Ron Rifkin Ron Rifkin as a the advisor at the uh, the rehab clinic yeah. that Bradley Cooper's in. Mm-hmm. They talk about su- they laugh and joke about suicide for a while. Yeah, and then like the movie continues on. Should we cut off a spoiler and talk about how sad this movie is? Yeah, I mean if if you haven't seen it, you should. Okay, yeah, bail out of here if you if you uh... come back to us. Then we'll talk about the ending. So 
I hadn't thought about because I'd already seen the movie, but walking out of this movie, all nine people like glommed onto the group one by one, and they were like, "Well, that was really sad," because spoiler alert, Jackson Maine takes his life at the end. So that's kind of where the movie goes. At a certain point, the you know the inverse funnel happens, and it's not a movie about Allie's, uh, you know, artistic or self-actualizing desires. It's it's a movie about like what is his condition right um which is kind of a definitely a bummer in just like a tonal sense but also kind of a bummer in a script sense it's just like ultimately this is a movie about like the the trauma of this man but there's a few interesting i disagree with you because i think there's more intentionality to his suicide than maybe the other people that we saw the movie think go ahead i think that so there's the scene with the record manager producer guy who's like it's just him and Jackson in the living room of their house and he's like we're not friends here you in fact have thrown my client's career like tragically off course and we're hanging on to threads here and if like she doesn't do this European tour she just may not be a musician anymore and like that sucks and like unless she has an otherwise compelling narrative being married to you is an embarrassment Mm. and I think he kills himself for her I think that he changes the conversation enough from, oh, here's the guy who, she's married to the guy who pissed himself at the Grammys to she's married to the guy who succumbed to alcohol and drug abuse, which is a far more powerful position to be in. And frankly, the movie kind of gets to the place at the end where that's where she becomes the more soulful soulful version of herself is she gets to take off all that hair dye and that makeup and gets to be in a nice dress at Carnegie Hall and sing a song that means something to her, albeit written by her late husband, but that changes her meteoric rise into something sustainable like a Barbara Streisand or something. I like that take. My sort of theory as to his psychology is that the weird irony of the Jackson main character who's like, you've got in your, got to get in your soul. Everybody has to be as Bob Dylan as they possibly can. Um, is that you find out from the beginning that this is never a guy who's been confident in his own songwriting at all, but he's always, he's actually been the worshiper at other people's false idols, his dad, his brother, and now her. And now that they're false idols, that was his, his father certainly was. But like, it's a weird thing that he's sort of like the star maker, but that's all that he ever was in his own mind is just he made the people around him, you know, stars and bigger than they were in his own life. And I think there's like this kind of, you know, weird wall that he runs into where it's just like, actually, I, I, I preach trying to be the purest mu- musician possible, but all I ever did was build people up in my mind. But I think he also builds people up in the world. You know, like think about like even at 13 year old, 13 years old, he was the grounding for his father's drinking. Right. Like he was his drinking partner and allowed him to exist in the world and have comfort, mm. you know? And then mm-hmm. the brother has like, well, I have this very specific sounding voice, but I don't know how to put it out into the world. So then Bradley Cooper gives him goes, to take care of. he gives him something to take care of. And then he puts his voice out into the world, but he knows how to market it better than his brother does. And then here, I just want to be a star. 
you know, and well, how do I do that? I've created this thing. I was your usher to Justin Bieber kind of thing. But if then usher pisses himself at the Grammys while Justin Bieber is collecting his award, you know, he's got to change the conversation in some way. He has to make the sacrifice for her to move forward. And I think that cements her. This is an agent's read on this film. Yeah, I mean, I'm always looking at narratives and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I think he does it intentionally. I don't think it's a selfish act. Mm. I think he does it because he thinks it's the only logical next step for her. Just the way she he pulls her onto stage to do shallows his suicide is him pulling her back to the right side of the media buzz. So that song, I'll Never Love Again, is not meant to be sung in his voice at all. He wrote it for her to read at his funeral. Or to sing at his funeral. Because it's about her, the image that she creates for herself is this grieving widow. This is very good. I like this. This And she has this whole soulful, she's seen things now. He gave her all that pain and sadness that made his song so authentic. Yeah. Good. Good job. Thank you. And good job, Bradley Cooper. I think this is a much smarter movie than maybe I did when I walked out of it. Yeah. And I think it, it's aware of the tropes of this genre and it plays with them in a really fascinating way. And I don't want a movie about how like the state of pop music or the state of the record industry, like that just exists. Like, I mean, cause it could be anything, you know, but I think as a movie about like what we sacrifice to give the ones we love, like their dreams. I mean, I think it's in conversation, as I said to you earlier, chance with, you know, the phantom threads of last year. Mm hmm. It's a, it's about a, it's a, the relationship is at the core of this. Right. And it's how we prop people up and how we pull people down. What do we want to rate it, buddy? I think this is an undeniable good, good. I think this is an Oscar, like the, the Oscar buzz is definitely worth, you know, what people have been saying about it. Yeah. And I would not be surprised if we saw some trophies, some little golden men for this one uh, in a few months. For sure. I'm with you. Uh, walking out of it the first time, I thought good, bad. I think a lot of people who walked out of it today thought good, bad. But this is a journey with the music and the 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 totally unlikely fun that they managed to have for an hour with him being a fall down, sweaty liquor drunk um, is kind of surprising. Bradley Cooper's so good at that like so good at looking sexy while in so much trouble but it and it goes beyond just bradley cooper though that's the character right i mean this guy has there it's it's funny there's like a a moment at the end where he's finally sobered up and they're playing the piano together and he's still kind of acting drunk and i was like is he drunk it's like no this is just this man's like kind of slouchy goofy uh just fucking great affect it's such a good and telling scene where they're in the rehab together and he, uh, Jackson Maine breaks down and Lady Gaga like wasn't even sure Allie wasn't even sure if they were going to still be married when he got into rehab right like what the status like what he would want and that's such an interesting because I don't think it's such an interesting portrayal because I don't think how do you play a character who doesn't know what they want mm-hmm. you know it also is really good spending so much time together I've loved the past two days two to go two down two to go cheers uh, well, folks, you can find all episodes of Be Real at BeRealPodcast.com. SoundCloud, please rate the Stitcher. show. Stitcher, Overcast, all of I don't of even the know what Stitcher is, apps. but I like Google the sound Play. of it. Um, 
you know, rate the show on iTunes if you want Five to do stars. us a favor. And uh, unless you feel like we're like a four and we could improve in some way, then make your voice heard. Please, this is all it's all about your voice. All you've got is what you've got to say, brother. Well, no, we're what nearly 105 episodes in. I'd say we're far from the shallows now. Oh, definitely. I'm in the deep end. <laughs> <laughs>